neither one of you needs to screw it. No, it's quite over. If you need to, you can bend it. Right? Yeah. Simple. Alright. Okay. So just before the last verse of uh, Jordan's Bank the Baptist guy, I'm gonna tell you this during that last verse. Time Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church. We're delighted to have you here worshiping with us. Um, old friends, new friends, uh, be sure you pick up the pew pad, which is next to the outside in the seat, and sign your name. And um, 
fill in any blanks that need filling in, and then make sure everyone in the, in the pew with you um, signs it. The reason for this is to acknowledge your presence and also the conclusion of the service, you will know who you're sitting with and can greet them by name. If you wish to talk to a Stephen minister, the Stephen minister today on duty is Dick Sprinkle and can be available or is available, should be available in the narthex um, with a special name tag. Be sure that you read the bulletin. It is rather complex this morning with all the activities going on. Um, I especially want those of you who um, either belong to or are interested in optimists from uh, those who are, I've heard everything from 50 to 55 over. Um, We're having our Christmas um, December dinner and meeting and uh, well explained in the bulletin, and today is the absolute deadline for tickets. So those of you who have put it off or weren't here last week, uh, make sure that you get your tickets today. There will be someone in Fellowship Hall selling tickets, Um, so be sure that you get your ticket today. Um, In my hand... I have a special Christmas card, which is available in Fellowship Hall, and you will hear during the service about Jazzy, uh, one of our well-known and well-established mission projects. They are selling Christmas cards with um, in the uh, in Fellowship Hall afterwards. They are a dollar. Um, there's a sentiment inside, so hopefully you may help support Jazzy with buying some of these cards. Um, Tanya has an announcement. Thanks, Tanya. You're welcome. Good morning. So I have exciting news. Next Saturday, right here by our Christmas tree, Santa is coming back to Pittsburgh Presbyterian. He'll be here from 3 to 5 to take photos, uh, kids can read their letters to Santa. It's just, we're trying to create a better environment where it's more relaxed than the mall to come get nice family photos and also it's an opportunity to learn about the historical roots of um, Santa Claus, St. Nicholas. We'll have gifts for the kids and uh, please feel free to come. This is also open to friends outside of the church. It's a great opportunity to share our beautiful church in our community with new potential members and families in the Pittsburgh area. So if you have any questions about Santa in the Sanctuary next Saturday the 11th, please find Carrie, myself, or any of the members of the membership committee. Thanks so much.
a voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Let us give thanks, by which we offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us worship God. Please pray with me. Creating and recreating God, we come longing for the future, which in Jesus Christ you hold before us as potential for each and for our life together as your people. Give us the happy eagerness of children ready to imagine, waiting to see as you see, excitedly awaiting what will yet be. Help us to recognize where new life is shooting up, from roots put down long ago, 
new life in our souls, in the church, and in the world. May our faith in your rebirthing power among us be expressed in the praise and worship we now offer to honor of your name. Amen. Fellow sinners, it's time for us to repent, and we can use these corporate words. God of mercy, with contrite hearts, we make our confession, for we want Advent to be more than preparations for parties and presents. We want to be ready to welcome Jesus into our hearts and lives. We confess that we get caught up in the glare and blare, the seasonal songs that are commercial and costly to spiritual awareness. We can lose the meaning of Advent in our busyness. We become anxious about much and tempted to ignore repentance of our behavior that is true Advent preparation. The extent of our sin, personal and communal, is painful. We confess we have fallen so far short of the love you intend for us and our hesitancy to forgive as we want to be forgiven. Please, Lord, in your mercy, cleanse us from our known and hidden sins. Amen. We are rescued from the power of sin and despair by God's beloved Son, who came in human form to save us. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, for in him we are assured of forgiveness and set free to imagine and live into a new future. Amen. Last Sunday, we lit the candle of hope to signify the hope of Jesus' arrival. Next week, we will light the candle of joy that reminds us of the good news that we brought to earth through God making human form through Jesus. But today, we light our second candle, the candle of peace. Our peace is found in God and in his Son, Jesus Christ. John the Baptist and other prophets remind us that to receive peace, we must be prepared for it. Indeed, peace, like so many other Advent attributes, are related to each other as the Apostle Paul showed us in Romans when he said, May the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace in believing, so that we may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We light this candle today to remind us of Christ, of that Christ that is the Prince of Peace, the one promised 
from the beginning of the world, Jesus was the one who said, My peace I give you, not as the world gives, I give to you. The prophet Isaiah said, God will keep in perfect peace all those who trust in him, whose thoughts turn often to the Lord. Far in the east were some astrologers who had seen the stars. They followed it as people of peace. Little did they know that the star would lead them to a stable where there was a baby. When that baby began to teach as an adult, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Let us pray. O God of peace, Emmanuel, God with us, we pray you to send your peace into our hearts at this time. Help us to be ready for the day and the hour of Christ's final appearing. Live in us and help us to live in you. May we heed prophetic advice, turn from sin, spurn evil, and embrace God's love. May the message of hope and peace revealed in Scripture long ago help us to honor your incarnation. By the power of the Holy Spirit, transform us so that our worship, our celebration, our time of preparation may be pleasing to you, both now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you, Sapalas. What a joy to have three generations light the Advent wreath and to do it so exquisitely. As you might have noted, there are a number of things going on in our chancel this morning. Kathy Schwigler has returned to give us an artistic interpretation of our worship today, and I'm thankful that she was able to trace beautiful little Lily Wright this morning. I'm also very thankful that our confirmands are here in the chancel with us this morning. Both John Canham and Colleen Robinson add very much to our worship as each of our confirmands in the first Sunday of the month lead worship with us and have an opportunity to experience the joy of doing so. Our Old Testament lesson for today is from the prophet Isaiah, and I invite you to hear God's word to each one of us. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb. 
The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp. And the weaned child shall put its hand in the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. Then nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, you know what? If you'd like to, you can stay right there with your parents because there's going to be some things you're going to want to see today. And one of the things that you're going to be looking at is what Kathy Schwegler is going to be drawing. And that's kind of wonderful. I hope that you've had your Advent calendars and you would have started to open your Advent calendars on, well, we opened one on Sunday, but you weren't supposed to start till Thursday, right? Then we could open two, three, four, and we open one for today. And this one happens to be a sheep in mine, so I'm going to put the sheep over here. And you'll want to do that with the Advent calendars you have at your house. Now, we have some people we want you to meet. And then after they make a little presentation, then you can head out to Sunday school. I hope that works well. 
Tom, I invite you. I know Louise is going to be helping. Um, Tom happens to be, by the way, uh, Tom Thompson and Louise Thompson. They're going to be on a, taking a trip down to um, uh, Jamaica and taking about 30 folks with them as a mission trip. But uh, I know Tom has a certain smile on his face today. Go ahead and ask him if you want. He's a Penn State grad, and it was... It was, it was like 20, 28 to 7 at the half. Wisconsin was leading, but Penn State ultimately won. It's one of God's miracles. I can't explain it. <laughs> Thank you for that great news, Bruce. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Louise and I are here this morning to ask for your support for our church's 2017 mission trip to Kingston, Jamaica. Next July, 30 youth and adults from this congregation will run a sports camp for 150 underserved youth from the poorest neighborhoods of Kingston. This camp is called JAZZY, which stands for Jamaican Advantage Through Sports for Youth. This will be the 11th JAZZY mission trip to Kingston. First Prez alternates years with St. John Fisher, who also has embraced the value of this mission. Jazzy provides cross-cultural interaction, focusing on positively building the youth's character through sports and Christian values. This is our 2017 team that will be heading down to Kingston in July. We are excited to experience the passion this mission will provide for our new volunteers. We still have some available open slots, so please talk to Tyler or Carrie if you are interested in joining the team. What do we do for this mission? We plan, organize, and run a week-long sports camp at the University of West Indies. The camp includes four venues, soccer, Caribbean games, which is like gym class, Olympic Village, where we have Bible study and crafts, and swimming. Why are we concerned about the youth of Jamaica? Poverty is widespread and is overwhelming. Many homes are without light, lighting, or indoor plumbing. One of the neighborhoods where the campers reside is Riverton. Riverton is a town located on the primary garbage dump of Kingston, with homes made of tin roofing and walls and dirt floors. Garbage trucks move regularly through the streets of the town, and children often scour the dump for goods that can be sold. One of the main hardships facing the youth of Jamaica is the lack of positive role models, especially males. Jazzy Camp teaches respect, teamwork, joy, faith, and gratitude. Over 1,500 youth have attended Jazzy Camp, and every camper is made to feel special and is recognized for their individual abilities. We are confident that Jazzy has made an impact on the Jamaican youth as several past campers now volunteer as Jazzy leaders. Shown here is Rojay in the pool, Andrew on the red team, and Christina in Olympic Village, all previous campers that are now leaders of, uh, of, in the Jamaican uh, youth. Jazzy partners with St. Patrick's Foundation, a Jamaican charity that shares our Christian values with emphasis upon improving the lives of at-risk youth. This painting on the building of St. Patrick's Human Resource Center says, Who you are is God's gift to you. Who you become 
is your gift to God. It reminds us of why we serve at Jazzy and elsewhere. Over the life of Jazzy Camp, our church has sent over 60 volunteers, many of whom have served multiple years, all of whom have been impacted by this great mission experience. From the start of camp to the final goodbyes, our volunteers see the profound joy of serving others. On a personal note, our daughters continue to love this uh, serving. Paige, our oldest daughter, is now leading a second medical mission trip to Haiti this January and volunteers at UB Heals, a mobile medical clinic serving the homeless community around Buffalo. Aaron devotes 20 hours a week as finance captain for Penn State THON, a 46-hour dance marathon and totally student-run organization that raises over $10 million a year to enhance the lives of families impacted by childhood cancer. We know there are many similar stories of this mission trip, how this mission trip impacts all of our families. For example, Taylor Frank has continued his mission service with Jazzy, and Nathaniel Kim has just accepted an appointment to serve for two years in the Peace Corps in Liberia. Who you are is God's gift to you. Who you become is your gift to God. And none of this would be possible without the active prayer and support of this congregation. We thank you for your faithfulness these past 10 years. I hope you understand the benefit of this this mission experience provides to both the Jamaican youth and our volunteers. Now let me explain the financials for this camp. This mission costs $32,800, which covers the cost for the sports equipment, camper meals, transportation, facilities, security, and first aid. Each volunteer is committed to raising $400 for the camp costs from family and friends outside of the church. Today, we kick off our sponsor camper campaign to raise funding from our congregation. You can help us cover the costs needed to run this camp by making a financial donation. There is a flyer in your bulletin that provides information on giving. By sponsoring a camper, you can help pay for a Jamaican youth's meals and transportation to camp. Or you can help us purchase camp supplies like soccer balls, swimsuits, or sports bags, or even sponsor a venue like swimming. Any financial support will be greatly appreciated. We will be in Fellowship Hall after the service today and the next two Sundays. Come watch the videos of our time at camp. Talk to the volunteers about the excitement leading up to next year's mission trip. Louise and I are very blessed to be able to return to Kingston next July. The mission team is excited and ready to share God's love with our brothers and sisters from Riverton and Jamaica. Thank you for your time and attention this morning and for your prayers and financial considerations for a successful First Presbyterian Church mission. When John the Baptist preached for all to hear, he said, Repent, the kingdom has come near. His rough, propenic manner caused surprise, but people heard his words and were baptized. A 
Among the crowds that day were mighty men who proudly traced their lines to Abraham. But John proclaimed that they should change their ways for trees that, that don't bear fruit are set ablaze. Matthew chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, And his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all in the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these very stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is laying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is to be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and he will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn. 
The word of the Lord. Reading, writing, and arithmetic may be the three R's of basic education, but the two R words which characterize today's Bible readings are the words repent and rejoice. Personally, I prefer rejoice. Robert McAfee Brown, a tongue-in-cheek theologian who penned the little book The Sacred Writings of St. Hereticus, gives pastors a glossary of recommended terms that they should use when they preach. He recommends using the word sin. Use it often, he says. He says that it adds color to your sermons because it stimulates the hearers to conjure up vivid images about the temptations of sin. Images like black lingerie and neon lights, the kind of things that a more commonly humble Christian would avoid. Brown tells his pastors to use phrases like 
My Bible says. Use it often. And when you do for emphasis, he says, hold up a limp back Bible and wave it around. Then he adds, of all the words to be avoided, never, ever use the word repent. No one in your church is serious about repenting. It just makes people feel awful. They think that repentance is something that they ought to do. Frankly, I agree. I much prefer the suggestion of rejoice to repent. Advent would be so much more satisfying a church season if we focused on rejoice and abandoned repent. You see, we could rejoice in the music. We could rejoice in our wants. Younger children can think about all the things they're going to get. Older children and adults will ruminate on all the joyous times they've had. But repent? I mean, when I play back the tapes of my childhood living near Pittsburgh, I see on the video on the retina of my mind those days when we looked for just the right gift for each person. It gives me a warm feeling. There were the carols around the piano, fires in the fireplace, secrets whispered and secrets hidden in closets. And I remember that special book which my family, along with every other family, kept so prominently displayed in preparation for the big day. Every home had one. Every family cherished it. They adored it. They searched its pages to fill the holiday with meaning. I remember the Sears Christmas catalog. (laughs) Christians throughout the world on this second Sunday of Advent are going to be encountering John the Baptist. Here we are getting ready for the unrestrained joy of angels and tinsel and carols and a cheery glow of Christmastide. And in comes this character, dusty, camel hair coat, no cashmere, reeking of locusts and wild honey. He smells of poverty and desert discipline. He refuses to live up in the big city in Jerusalem with all of the powerful, educated people. He, instead, he prefers the desert dust, a more fitting climate for his brand of preaching. I mean, the church, in its wisdom, has always demanded that if you want to see what is in the Bethlehem manger, you first must confront this crazy prophet out in the wilderness whose sermons are as bitter and wild as the terrain. John's gaunt figure at Yuletide is a striking contrast to the jolly fat elf in a red velvet suit, bag full of gifts for those who have too much already. Anybody here ever receive a Christmas card depicting John the Baptist? Greetings from our house to yours. Our thoughts of you at this time of year are best expressed in the words of John the Baptist. You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Merry Christmas, the Boak family. John's not a very popular figure in ceramics. 
You won't find him as a character in a crash or on a Hallmark card. And yet, all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, have him there right in the beginning of their books. It's as if to say that you cannot meet Jesus until you have met John. As if to say that you cannot know why there is Emmanuel, God with us, until John tells you why we need him so desperately. Repent, says John. Turn around, let go, change your attitude, admit your sin, admit your disobedience. And to the academic, political, religious establishment, John sneered, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the coming fire? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. That's a big change. That's a shift for us. I much prefer Isaiah, the cow and the bear shall graze. The young shall lie down together. Lions shall eat straw like the ox. Not this message of repentance. But it has been the prophetic message. We need to change. I read about an 11-year-old golfer, tall, blonde kid, big for his age. He was developing so quickly that he could compete with 15-year-olds. He could beat most of them. It was rumored he hit the ball just a, a ton. One day, he made a bad shot and angrily threw his club as far as he could. And his dad, who was playing with him, walked over and picked up the club He brought it back and handed it to the boy, and he said, Here's your club. The next time you do that will be the last time you ever set foot on this golf course. Jack Nicklaus took the lesson to heart. Those who are interested in golf are probably glad that Jack's father didn't say, Naughty, naughty, you know you shouldn't do things like that. We're also very glad he didn't break a club over Jack's head and kick him off the course. There was a toughness about the father's love, but a tenderness because he knew his boy was 11. That is what John is bringing. Now, I thought, how could we help this uh, imagery from John the Baptist hit home? Remember how we read, even now the axe is laying at the root of the trees. Every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire. That's what he told everyone. I thought that as I entered the sanctuary today, I should come in swinging an axe and carry it up right to the front and then kind of lean it up against the uh, communion table. And it would be a good reminder that we need to change our behavior. In 1987... The Philadelphia Inquirer contained an article about a man of some wealth who overheard a lady outside of Wanamaker's department store. And she said, you know, if I just had $50, I would be perfectly content. He thought about this for a moment. 
If the lady only had $50, she would be content. Well, I can help her out. So he walked over to her and handed her a $50 bill with his best wishes. She was overt in her show of gratitude. She really appreciated the gift. And then as she walked away, he heard her mumble, Why on earth didn't I say I would be content if I had $100? (laughs) She needs to repent. You contrast that to Moss Hart. Did you have to read him when you were in junior high like I did? His family was quite poor. His father took him shopping along the busy streets of New York. They were looking to buy a Christmas present for young Moss. The merchandise was displayed on push carts lined beside the street. And this young boy's uh, eyes were fixed on such extravagances as chemistry sets and printing presses. Lots of wonders of the modern world at the time. And every time they found something that young Moss liked, his father would ask the merchant the price. And then he would shake his head and move along. They came to the end of the push carts and still had made no purchase. Here is what Moss Hart writes about that event. I heard my father jingle some coins in his pocket. In a flash, I knew it all. He had gotten together about 75 cents to buy me something for Christmas. He hadn't dared say in case there was nothing to be had for the sum. As I looked it up at him, I, I, looked, I saw a look of despair and disappointment in his eyes that brought me closer to him than I had ever been. I wanted to throw my arms around my dad and say, it doesn't matter. I understand. This is better than a printing press just to be walking with you. I love you, Dad. But instead, we stood shivering beside each other for a moment and turned away from the last two push carts, silently went back home. I didn't even take his hand on the way home, nor did he take mine. We were not on that basis nor did I ever tell him how close I felt to him that night. I never told him that for a little while the concrete between father and son had crumbled and I knew that we were two lonely people struggling to reach out to another. My fellow snakes... It is time for us to respond to the one who gave us the best that he had. His own son. His love is tough, telling us to repent and to change, while at the same time it is tender holding out the satisfaction of peace that comes in no other way. And in that, we rejoice.
There's a prayer in our bulletin we can use as we bring ourselves and our gifts to God. God of grace, through prophets long ago, you promised a day when all on earth shall see your justice and righteousness. In spite of present appearances, we trust that redemption is drawing near. With this offering, we express gratitude for your undeserved love and goodness, and we commit to raising our heads to watch for what will be the fulfillment of your promise in Jesus Christ. Amen. Just as John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus' coming, Christ has prepared this table for each one of us. The bread and the wine representing his own body and blood is here for our nourishment, spiritually and emotionally and physically, so that we might grow into the persons that God created each one of us to be. Come, for all is prepared.
Please pray with me. Holy Lord, God Almighty, everlasting God, whom made this world a place for Christ, and before he was born, promised his coming in the words of the prophets. We thank you for this holy supper, which is for us a sign of his returning to claim his people. We thank you for your son Jesus, who lived with us, shared our joy and sorrow. He told your story, healed the sick, and was a friend of sinners. And then, obeying you, he took up his cross and was murdered by people he loved. We praise you that he is not dead, but has risen to rule the world, and that he is still the friend of sinners. We trust him to overcome every power to hurt or divide us, so that when you bring in your promised kingdom, we will celebrate victory with him. Great God, give your Holy Spirit in the breaking of this bread and the consuming of this wine, so that we might be drawn together, joined to Christ our Lord, receive new life, be changed, and remain his glad, faithful people until we feast him with him in glory. We ask it in the Master's name. Amen. On the night of his arrest, our Lord and Savior took a simple loaf of bread. And after he had thanked God for it, he broke it. And he gave it to each one of his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
Very much the same way after supper our Lord took the cup as I do ministering in his name. He said this is the cup of the new covenant poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of sin. He added as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup you proclaim my death until I come again. Behold the cup of salvation poured out for you. Drink ye all of it.
Well, there is much rejoicing in our sanctuary today. Ed and LaDonna Black, we welcome you back from Annapolis, and we're so thankful that you could worship with us. We also are giving thanks and praise with Bob Clee. You might remember that we were praying for his brother a few weeks ago. Not only is his brother's heart doing much better, but Bob was able to welcome into this world a new grandson over Thanksgiving weekend, so we rejoice with him. We also stand confident with those who are battling cancer, and we pray with Randy Reinhart for Skip Walker, a friend who's just beginning a six-month regime of chemo for an aggressive form of cancer. We give thanks and praise for the many ways that God heals, not just for those who are battling cancer, but those who are undergoing surgery as we speak. And so, Emma Smith, we are praying with you for your grandfather, Alex, as he undergoes spinal surgery as we speak. Please pray with me, friends. God of steadfastness and encouragement, you are a source of new life. When your creation moans in labor and your people cry out for compassion, you cause a sprig of hope to spring forth from a stump. You bring deliverance to the needy and justice to the oppressed. You cause your spirit to rest on the faithful, bestowing wisdom, knowledge, and might. As a branch from the root of Jesse stands as a symbol of hope for your people, may nations respond by seeking to do your will so that all our dwellings may reflect your glory. When we are confronted with poverty, give us the courage to act to free those who want. When we are aware of the lonely, let us be quick to provide comfort and companionship. When others face death, may our presence be encouraged and help to fill the void. Where pain hinders movement, give us compassion to console those afflicted. As the shoot springs forth from the stump, let our actions cause it to break out into blossom, that all who hear of your love may come to rejoice with new life. We pray this all in the name of Emmanuel, the one who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our
What's the fruit of your repentance? Are you willing to be changed? Has the gospel made a difference? Is your life now rearranged? Have you changed more than a smidgen till the world now thinks you're odd? Does your day-to-day religion show the peaceful reign of God? God, God. Go in peace. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the blessing of the Holy Spirit go with us and abide with us all today and in the life everlasting. Amen.